All right. Week week two, week two. Yeah, I guess we gotta get this thing started. Are we? We're gonna do an ep- a second episode of the. We're trying. We're gonna do this. I mean, we're set up here. How are we feeling about this? I feel zen like right now. You feel pretty zen. I do. Yeah. Well, here's zen for you. Very deaf. This happens to be my good ear, but all I heard then was. So week two, sitting here with my man Dave, JT, and this is me, Andrew. That was the cheesiest <laughs> intro that we've ever done. But anyway, we're good. trying hard here. We're, we're working for this the is, This is episode two of the After Five podcast. Um, great things in store for us tonight. Great, great conversation in store for us tonight. Uh, we're, we're not clear as to where we're going, but there's got, you know, there's some things on our mind. There's some things on our mind. So at the same time, we got to, you know, regroup, move forward and try and make this happen. And uh, what better way to say that than with uh, Jonathan's phone going off right here? Not my phone. It is your phone, dude. No, my phone's over here. You know what, though? Whether or not it's on your phone, it's ringing on this beautiful, this beautiful table here. One of the biggest upgrades we got from last week was not only some chairs that we're thinking about purchasing. But this beautiful walnut table that we made in our own shop. Yeah. This thing's no more folding table. Yeah, the fold the W the WWF table. The Buffalo Bills throw me through a folding table is gone. <laughs> that thing was ghetto. <laughs> yeah, it definitely looked like a meth lab was ran on top of it. <laughs> it but this table here now, it's a little tall, so we're gonna have to invest in some chairs. But it it fits the vibe. It's a good vibe. Yeah, yeah. The topic of the chairs came up, um, you know, because you give a mouse a cookie, he's going to want a glass of milk. And now we have this magnificent <laughs> table here, and Jonathan's like, you know what? I'm not comfortable at this table in my office chair, even though he's sitting in the nicest chair, and I have the second nicest chair, and... Dave's still on a metal folding chair. Buffalo Bill over here is <laughs> rocking it out over here. <laughs> I noticed that John and I are both taller than you yet because you have your special little wicker chair over there. <laughs> it is wicker. Prettier. He's my Mike Bloomberg or whatever it is sitting on the box. <laughs> Dude, you, the God's honest truth is I have a second one of these with your name on it. And if you were sitting in it, if you could squeeze into this, you would enjoy it too. I would love it. I just wouldn't be able to get out to drive home with it. You have to be very cautious about uh, sitting on a wicker chair. Yeah. Things happen. Things creak. Things snap very quickly. So you're trying to pull up my picture because I look like uh, Silent Bob. (laughs) (laughs) That's absolutely true. I have my hat on the other day. I'm like, man, I look just like Silent Bob. Yeah, dude, you killing it. Killing it. He probably, he he just had a huge heart attack like a year or so ago that's not good life is short but he actually i think he's recovered like leaps and bounds but so what about these chairs you've got some ideas you're looking at massage chairs and things like that i don't know if this will will turn into a leisure podcast my chair right now sucks just for the record it's hard it's cold my butt already hurts and i got lots of cushions so let's just (laughs) let's get there now (laughs) i want a comfortable chair i will pay for all of our chairs i have no problem 
But it's got to be comfy. Like, I want to be able to sit there and feel comfortable. Agreed. A vibe is a big thing on a podcast. Right up. Right. So. Create successful conversations. You know what we should do? We should have the the fourth person, if we have a guest, sit in that beanbag chair that we talked about last week. Oh, I know I'm still hung up. I, I'm hung up on the love sack. I mean, you guys. Did keep... you go home and research the love sack? <laughs> no, I didn't. But I've, I've definitely, there's been a couple of times in the last week where I, I could have used one. You wouldn't think a $600 beanbag would be a good idea until you use one. You know what though? You know you know why you know why Love Sack's so successful and they sell the sell all those chairs? Tell me. Cuz there's so many people that are relaxing. Right? But like what what would an entrepreneur what kind of chair would an entrepreneur sit in? Probably like a, like a not. successful entrepreneur, not not one one that's got it that it has its that has it figured out and is it all already committed 100% to their life. There'd be no no recliner function. It would be a comfortable chair mm. where the arms are up, their feet are down, right? Because mm. any moment, if they're inspired, they have to stand up, to walk around, right? Yeah. So there's no there's no reclining, there's no nap taking. Yeah. A lot of entrepreneurs or successful business people that I know spend majority of their time on their trade or learning or books. So they're definitely not going to be taking a nap in a love sack. I just I just see him yeah. walk like. Getting sitting up and down in his house and just pacing around. I'm definitely at, at all hours. If I'm on the phone and not standing and pacing, something's wrong. I agree. If I, if I'm on the phone, I'm pacing for sure because I like to think while I'm walking around. But to get back to the beanbag chair, I think the reason why they have beanbag chairs because it's easy. You can quick pick it up and move it. It's not like furniture where you kind of just let it sit there for for years on end. It's something that's quick and easy. If you want to put it in front of the TV, you have people over, it's great. Kids especially love them. I just think they're comfortable. They're comfy, cozy. End of discussion with me. Very well said. <laughs> That's it. The, the, the beanbag discussion the, Yeah, the, the is book over. is closed on that. The book is the closed. Book. The beanbag chair. <laughs> the conversation. So serious about the beanbag. Closed. Well, I just don't want him to show up at my house with like a potato gun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're back on that no, again. No, no. no, no. But no. anyway. So... You know, one of the things that, um, I mean, that's a hard transition, but one of the things that I've been thinking a lot about, um, which was triggered by something that I heard in the past week, um, I can't remember exactly where it was, but it was in reference to, like, the, it was probably surrounding, like, the Kobe Bryant um, situation, to be honest with you. But it was, like, interesting. yeah, so it was just in relationship to going all in on what you are about. Whether right. it's whether it's you know you're trying to start a business, um, I know we touch on like the entrepreneur thing a lot because you know that's that's our reality. But you know you could be a, an athlete, a triathlete, maybe you know you you're into something else, whatever it is. You're into potting sure. potting plants. I don't know, but if you want to achieve the championship level of success on whatever it is you are doing. It, the level of all in that is required before you get all of that back. Yeah. I mean, the question is when you do decide to do something, are you going to be good at it or are you going to be great at it? And to be great at something, you have to be an expert. You have to have this unforgiving persistence to learn, to better yourself, 
to recap after something's completed and to see how you could do it better the next time. If you, and I would say that most successful individuals go through this struggle of time management because there's not a lot of time to do all those things at once and to learn and to figure out where you focus your time in the beginning is tough. And that's why you need that unforgiving persistence because you need as much time as you can to sort through that, to become an expert. So it's interesting you brought up time management because when I was getting my MBA, I had a Saturday half a day seminar class on it. And they basically taught you to list everything you have in A, B, C. Right. A is something you need to do like now or very soon. B is something that needs to be done within like a week or so, a couple weeks. And then the C tasks were something that can be put off till later. And that was just one of the things they said. And, and it makes sense, but not enough people do it. Not enough people have a list and compile what they need to get done. And they're not focused and they're not um, organized enough. No, I think one of the one of the best things that I learned, um, it took me a while to learn it, but the night before and some early prepping, um, I read this book. I don't know who the author is, but many of you have probably heard it called The One Thing. And The One Thing basically states you want to work on the one most important thing every single day. And if you haven't pinpointed the one most important thing, then you don't have a focus. You have to choose, say, if, if your focus is revenue, which a lot of startups, that has to be the focus in the beginning because without revenue, you know, you can only have so much startup cost to go. But if you're not focused on revenue and working on that first every single day, then you're just pretty much scattered all throughout. So the best way to organize that is have that overarching concept. So you may have a one thing for the month. You may have a one thing for the business for a year. You may have a five-year one thing. But each day has its own one thing. Yeah, so that book is The One Thing, uh, subtitled uh, The Surprisingly Simple Truth Behind Extraordinary Results. Um, Gary Keller. Yeah, written by Gary Keller and Jay Papasan. Gary Keller of KW Realty. Yeah, so if you're interested in that book, um, reading is important. Um, yeah, I... I think it's, I think it's, I don't know if complex is the right word, but the, the thing that I see suspending people's growth the most, and the only reason I can see this is because I've been there. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're not far from there. We're, we're really motivated, but you know, 10, 12 years ago, we were just college kids having a good time still. Like we were hardworking college kids, but we don't, I don't think either of us understood the realities of how much work it would take to get to how far we wanted to go just upon like how we are, where we are right now. Sure. It's taken so much more than I initially set out and thought it would take, but I'm so all in on the idea and the lifestyle and where the goals and like the pace and the everything about it, that there's no turning back for me. But I think what, oftentimes people get stuck in is they they know if they go all in the benefits of that yeah they look at the benefits first yeah right? and and they evaluate those benefits and then because of like 
maybe the way we live in society or some some other outlier or some sort of factor they want the guarantee you know what i'm saying like everybody wants the guarantee like i don't i don't want to do it unless i'm guaranteed and it it happens to me every day yep. like you, you you talk to someone and you're like maybe a subcontractor and you're like hey you know like can can you come look at this for me like we we do a decent amount of business especially among the three of us in in construction so sure. like our buying power is pretty great in my opinion so you think it would be easy to to just reach out to someone and be like hey would you come take 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 a look at this one thing for me this one thing it's not maybe it's not the biggest job for you but you know come take a look at this see if you can help me out and that person's like you know what i i want to do that for you but I I I want all the other scope items as well. And you're like, look, this house is already built. Like we're just in the jam right now. Come help me out. And and it goes one of two ways. The person says, I want the guarantee, and then it's like, all right, maybe we do business, and it's all headache. Or you know what? They just jump into action. They come help us out, and we're set. We're sitting there like, oh my god, like that you just hopped up and helped us. Like Kate sprung into action, seized the opportunity before he was guaranteed anything, and now we're like. This this individual is definitely going to get our first shot next time. Yeah, I mean the 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 focus on product first, bef- the the scenario one, the greedy person, right, the one that wants everything. Mm. That person doesn't, in my opinion, it's it's tougher to get what you want when that's what you focus on. You focus on profits. You're focusing on margin. You're focused on overall business, um, and you're trying to get as much as out of one person as you can. But I I think. You know, I've, and I've learned through many mistakes in my life to where I did focus on that. And where it left me was like a very dusty path, right? You look back and it's dusty, it's hazy. There's maybe some fire burning bridges. That's, right? yeah, the, yeah like you, you felt dusty, like the dusty nugget. Yeah, the rusty nugget. But no, the, the, the person, when you focus on product... <laughs> <laughs> Dave, see Dave. that's how you make a nickname stick right there <laughs> that was good yeah, that made me that made me lol but, but when you don't when you don't focus on the product or i, I guess in, in a positive light when you start to focus on the product and the product is be above everything else and you deliver a good product sometimes you make good money on the product sometimes you don't right but you always have a good product to stand on and that takes an unbelievable amount of time and work to get there and and mirroring kind of what you said none of us realized how much work it is when you start your own business when you're actually signing the checks signing on bank loans when you're taking the risks it is an amazing amount of stress but if you can use that stress to your benefit to motivate you further to take care of those issues to work through the problems so that you can continue to progress you'll start to have breakout points, right? It may be small. It may, it may be big. You may go backwards. But once you start to have some breakout points and start to prove your product. Like some checkpoints. Like some checkpoints. Cash and checks, right? So at some point, you're going to have a checkpoint. And you're going to say, okay, I've made it here, but this is not my goal, right? Because if you get to your goal and your checkpoint, you're like, boom, I did it. I'm done. Then your business will fail, right? Or I, I could argue you didn't set your expectations high enough. Right, but you do have to set checks. 
checkpoints to where you can actually get to them. But once you get to those points, you have to have another goal. You have to have other goals on top of that, of where you want you, the business, the product to get to. And it's just, it takes an amazing amount of time. So you, you talked about product a couple of times, but it's also product and a service because not everything is product based, right? Yeah. Yeah. Your product could be service. Yeah. But if right. you're service, yeah, the product. Right. Yeah. So there's either products or like a cleaning service. There's no product with it. There's a service. I think one of the most important things is you talked about guarantee. There's not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Just so people, everyone's clear here. There are two types of things. There are products and there are services. And when you clean, apparently cleaning is not your product. Yeah. Clearly. A, cl- a cleaning house. A you clean can, house is your, no product. Your service cannot be a product. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Continue, Mr. Dave. So my point is, is that you talked about guarantees. Nothing in life is guaranteed. You have to work for it. You have to grind for it. Uh, I think too many people these days have become complacent and they're not working for it. They're not grinding for it. And I, you see it everywhere, especially um, in the younger uh, generation. They want everything given to them. Everyone thinks they can come out of school and make the same amount of money their parents made, have the same house that their parents have, even though it took their parents 30 years to get there. So that's one thing I want to kind of drop in there and you guys can discuss when I'm done with my little spiel. But as far as what you said with um, doing, doing things and you start off small and it grows exponentially, that's the problem. I think a lot of people getting into this business, any business uh, off the bat, they just think like, Oh, I'm just going to do that. That's not how it works. You have to build it. The biggest thing you can do is do a good job and then get the referrals, get the good word of mouth. People like that. People don't want to just go Google you. That's that's not the best way to do it. I don't advertise at all. Do you guys advertise? Uh, social media. Yeah, I think there's there's multiple points. Not social media. I'm okay. talking. Well, well, you one could argue that the social media is the way to get direct contact from consumer to you know. Yeah, but you still have to deliver. You do have to deliver, and I think. Um, when, yeah, you have to start. You have to start with a, a small win, and then the next small win. Because word of mouth is the number one reason. But if you don't have a website, when that person hears about you, word of mouth, word of mouth, they want to check up, right? Because they may have a friend of a friend that said, like, you know, in our business, uh, the contractor, the home builder. They may have a friend of a friend that we did a project for, but that they're going to hear a name, right? And the first thing they're going to do is they're going to Google the name. Or they're going to go on, now they'll go on Facebook, Instagram, which in my opinion is probably a little more leading, but the experts would tell you that the website's still the overarching uh, marketing tool, but they will use that tool. So if you don't have a good website, how can they double check their reference? Because they're not just going to go off of somebody's word of mouth. They're definitely going to, most customers that we deal with, and I, maybe not. All right. So basically th- this brings it back full circle again because in order to get the referrals and get the opportunities that you want, you have to first deliver for someone. Maybe set your ex. So, like normally, normally the situation plays out where you take on an opportunity that you know you can deliver on, but you might not. <laughs> can Is John you, backing I, up? I yo, hear beeping. Beep, beep, beep. John, yeah, you're backing up. Our office shares a. For some reason, there's buses parking in our. I, I mean, it's it's a brilliant move by the landlord 
right? Yeah, they rent the, the parking lot out. At night. At when night. When it's not used for, the, for buses. For, like, the Bucks County local, like, elderly transit or whatever service. But anyway, going back to my point, the usual, the anecdote plays out where um, you you get an opportunity. It, it's almost your opportunity. At least it's in front of you. You know you can deliver on it. Nobody else knows you can deliver on it. So you end up taking a hit on the price to incentivize someone to do business with you. That's usually what like the general go-to play out. And I agree with that. Sometimes you have that. If, if that's the form you have to give in you, or you have to give up a little bit to get the opportunity, to then knock it out of the park. That's what you have to do because then you get, you, you get the chance. You knock it out of the park. You have a happy customer who then becomes a referral source. And the referral source is actually just like another salesperson, in my opinion. If like you leave that customer, like if you leave them changed enough that you have a relationship with that person afterwards, like a lot of our clients, like we know them, like we're communicating sure. with them. Sure. Like we, we spend a lot of time with, our we clients. get close with them by the end. And like, I'm thinking of Don, like guy, I would go to that guy's house for Thanksgiving. Yeah. And, and, and the goal would be, not that you would, would would go, but the goal in our business is <laughs> to have them invite us to a Thanksgiving dinner or a party or a Christmas Eve dinner, whatever it may be. The, the goal is to have a rapport with that customer that you are, they're happy enough with your product that they're proud of it. Yeah. Right? And I would say if you're in that situation after in, you know, getting the opportunity and delivering for them, like kudos to you because then you, you did it right but what i'm saying is like you need to almost do that same scenario every time you do business sure you can in my opinion like you almost have to feel like you do make money eventually it plays out like you start you know getting the reward you hit those checkpoints but even at like the highest levels of business i would think that they are they are reaching out to help someone for either an opportunity or just you know yeah, to I mean, keep as, the machine rolling. As we start this podcast and we continue to go further into the the business world, in our world, we were, we will evolve through the podcast, and that's kind of the whole point of why we wanted to start the podcast was, you know, let's let's help a young person who wants to start a business, or let's help somebody who's having difficulty through a problem, or have people on the podcast to relay their experiences yeah. that you know. We can't even attest I mean, to it. So. One of the biggest experiences, going back to what Dave was saying, was in the beginning when I, I left a bigger company, a family company, and it was, a, it was a massive move for me to do. I had security, I had comfort, um, and I wanted to start my own thing. And I would say that I tried to start too big. And I took six months out of my life. The first six months, I would say it's wasted. It wasn't wasted, but it wasn't the most optimal use of my time. And once I started to do smaller projects and to really focus down on the micro, then I was able to start to build my own product instead of someone else's idea of a product. I was able to focus in my, in my own product and build that back up. And so you have to, there are some trial and errors, right? You have to first try your product to make sure your product works. Then you have to start to learn to expand and grow the product. And that's, that's kind of where we'll get to later in some of the episodes is as you start to evolve and you start to grow, you're going to have insane growing pains. But in the beginning, your biggest growing pain is time, right? You only have so much time. So <clears throat> I'd like to kind of take what you say and kind of put it into perspective a little bit. You do niche market homes. You're not a big builder. 
and you're not um, like a medium-sized builder. You do specific homes geared towards specific people, I, I would say. You're also dealing with people on a regular, and it's, it's a long project, where a project for myself could involve a, a day, a week, a sure. month, but I'm not doing you know, a nine-month project. I think the longest project I've done is six months, and it's like a complete rehab type of thing. Uh, two or three K loan or home style loan for a mortgage where you're rehabbing a home that you either purchased or your own home. So when you're delivering a product that's got your name on it from start to finish, you're well more attached to the client. Not that I'm not attached to the client, but it might already be a house that they have. You, you might actually have a tougher sell. Like you have to, you have to convince them very quickly and the amount of renovators to home builders is probably I don't know what the numbers were, but there's 10, 20 times more renovators than there are home builders. Yeah, but there's also more people that need there's – there's also they, a population that corresponds with sure, that. Sure, but I guess I guess my point is being when they send out that bid, Dave is most likely not the only bid or the contact that they have. They probably get three or four names because it's easier to get three or four names. So you have a, you have a very quick selling time window. I don't, I don't know the technical term of that, but you have a window to sell a home sell a project to our window could be five months in the case of like don our homeowner it was a year that they first contacted us we started to grow a relationship i probably had 10 to 12 meetings with the with the couple with them before they actually committed to signing a contract and in retrospect they went back and they said look you know it was between you and two other builders and the persistency that we had to get that job ultimately won us the job and if, as long as we maintain that persistency through the relationship with the homeowner, the success will be there. So I think you actually, you know, I don't know what you feel your time window is to sell a job, but it's got to be much quicker because the project's much quicker. So for myself, I think most people look at price. Really, that's what they look at. And it's a shame because it really should be not only price, but <clears throat> quality of work, the time frame you can get it done how you can rely on people, make sure that they have their licenses, insurance and everything else. I, sure. I was just right before I came here, I was meeting with an investor who, who buys houses and um, you know, he wants to flip them and I'm not going to call him out, but basically he has two houses he bought four years ago and he still has them and they're a shell because he got screwed Hopefully a dry shell. He got screwed by, yes, yes they're dry, <laughs> but he, he got screwed by other uh, people and he wanted to try to be the GC for his jobs and he didn't know what he was doing. And he has another one that's a year old. So he has two that are four years old, one that's a year old and they're all shells. They're, there's nothing done to them. That's not a good investor. And I think what you've done with your product, you guys have done a great job. You do quality work. I've seen it. We've, we've done work together and it's, you know. We appreciate that, and we, we hear that a lot. But what we we're paying Dave to be on here, yeah, <laughs> not enough. I didn't even get a sandwich. We're paying him through chairs. We're, yeah, he we're actually, us yeah, we we paid him so hard that he bought his own chairs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but so so like I I definitely think like I went all in because I was just young and dumb, and I knew I wanted to be in business for myself, and I also knew that I could theoretically be afforded the time loss or the you know the mistake time of being young i didn't have any kids and own anything you know let's let's see what business is all about but with you being in this in the position you were in you left what 
most would consider extreme comfort. I guess maybe financially, maybe maybe like there there were stresses and stuff that were uni- unique to your like family business, but at the same time, like you were you were running and gunning already. You stopped doing what you were doing to leave to start all over from scratch from zero on your own and do it on your own. And that to me is going all in knowing that like the catch 22 of like, if you went in only a little bit and you took a year around work, like evaluating your next deal and next, you know, you're running out of money. And then next thing you know, the deal for you to put together was too far away that you had to go back and work for somebody else. That would have been it. Like maybe you would have come back again, but you would have forfeited it because you didn't go hard enough. But, you know, in the first six months, you realized you were going too big. So you reevaluated, you went harder. Yeah. And then, you know, fast forward to a few years later, like it's paying, it's, it, it, it worked. Yeah. I mean, my advice to be anybody who is starting a business is um, work for somebody else first and, and learn what everyone, everyone does. Everyone's in business. If they're in business, they're doing something right. Right, unless they're scamming or cheating somebody. If they're in business more than two, three years. Well, I would I wouldn't say that they're doing something right, but you can learn from them. You, you can learn. Like everybody has you have the ability to learn from everybody, whether it's something not to do or something to do. Yeah. And the more people you can work with, either through like uh trade school internships or internships out of college or your first couple of jobs, like you know, maybe not stay at that first job out of college more than two, three years. Maybe continue to work your way up until you're just like, you know, then you'll have a feeling and either you have it or you don't. And and this is a, an argument and, and conversation to have, have with a lot of people is the work ethic, right? You either have it, even if you're working for somebody else, you either have that work ethic or you don't. And I know a lot of people that try to get it. They just don't have it. Right. They, it, you know, the whole reason we call the podcast after five is the amount of work we put in after five is probably more productive than the work from eight to five because eight to five are distracted. I actually, I actually have a good quote that I heard um, back when I was like in the cert, in the restaurant industry. I was behind the bar, um, and someone said to me, "Hey, look, like no one is going to work as hard as you are going to work on your business, right?" I think do you know Jack Houston, the no. cell phone guy. No. He used to come on the stall a lot. Anyway, this guy <clears throat> successful, like beyond whatever has every has what you need. He said to me, if you find that person that is willing to work as hard as you do on your business, you better goddamn pay them because that person's once in a lifetime. Sure. And like, you know, in our style of business, you tend to notice it in like the, you know, the situation where you have like that, like older lady in the office and you call her up and like, then you realize like, that's the lady you call if you want something done. Sure. Like you every, will buy, I will bypass any person. person in the company to find that one person, the linchpin in the business that like, if they go on vacation, it's like, Oh man, Sue left the office last week and things didn't go so great. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So it is, it is tough to find. It, it is tough to find an employee, the commitment, the commitment. Cause usually if they have that commitment, they'll have the commitment. They're going to start, start their own business. Right. But the, one of the best things you can do in a good rewarding thing that you have 
it, <laughs> you definitely honking. could hear that honk. I feel like we're in the hood. <laughs> we're in Buckingham, we're, PA. Yeah, we're in Buckingham, PA. Actually, we're in Philadelphia <laughs> on Market Street on the corner here. And <laughs> this is going terrible. <laughs> no, but when you, when you have somebody that works or has ethics, uh, a work ethic um, anywhere near, you, you're right. You better you better pay them because people don't leave jobs; they leave managers, right? And if you're a bad, and so as you grow and expand your business, like working on managerial skills and being a good owner and a good manager is probably harder than starting the company where you're the only person. Like in the beginning, you're you're the bookkeeper, you're the you're the you're the uh, executor. The Swiss Army knife. Right? You're everything. You're the financier. You're pretty much everything that's going on. And as you start to take prongs away from the Swiss army knife and start to add in people, they're not going to be as efficient as you. And that's an expectation that you have to have. You have to know that you're going to do that job better until you can attract talent that is more skilled than you, but they may not be outwork more outworking. I mean, I'm not, I'm clearly not the smartest person, right? But I feel <laughs> <laughs> clearly, but I feel that I will outwork 99% of the people out there. And the 1% of the people that outwork me, Hats off to them because I don't know how they do it. Yeah, I think the perfect analogy for, you know, responding to people being able to outwork you is like I, I often, you know, break it down a little bit, maybe more rudimentary, maybe not. Um, like I like to think that if I got onto a treadmill sure, and someone else got onto a treadmill. Right. I would make, I would do everything, possibly fall off that treadmill and get hurt or die. Before you maybe a little me. dramatic. Before I would let that person beat me. So, so what you're saying is ultimate competition. Like if I'm going to get all drive. in, that's that's me all in on something to be the best. Is the treadmill analogy? I'm not saying like I'm doing that every day at the gym. Like I'm challenging. But people there's to that races. one time when you find a true competitor, a true adversary, mm. a true teammate that you may want to do that with. Yeah, I mean, and that's like that that is part of being all in on something eventually you're going to get exhausted by you know your conditions or you're going to lose sight of what your why is and you you really want to surround yourself people with either like a business partner maybe it's your wife maybe it's your friend or or, or whatever it is that's keeping you elevated yeah, and mean, i like to think i like to play that treadmill thing out in my head because i'm like that other person although they are perceivably my enemy in my competition, you are making me raise my bar higher, making me better. So, so I, I guess we're saying advice to kind of wrap this whole thing up mm. is surround yourself with a circle of individuals that better you. And embrace the competition. And embrace the opportunity to can be competitive. Yeah. Because there's too many people out there that are either too sure in what you're doing you're too sure of yourself. Sure. You're too sure of your talents. You're either, you, alternatively, you're also angry or negative about the competition. Sure. When in reality, you should be appreciating that individual that's on Instagram and say you, you know, in my boat, I have 2,500 followers. Like that person that's got 5,000, 10,000, 15,000, like that is perceivably turning out a better product than me. Like, you don't want to be that person on no. Instagram trying to find something wrong with them. You want to be that person that's 
applauding them and being like, you know what? Kudos to you. Thanks for raising the bar higher. Sure. I'm going to smack it out of the park. It right is now. good to get beat. And it's good to know when you're beat. Mm. And it's also good to raise the bar. And so it, with that, if you want to find us on Instagram, you can find Andrew at Revivalist. What? what you, what's it? Wait, dude, I'm sorry. You are a clown. Dude. My Instagram tag <laughs> oh, is at revivalbuilt.com. Dude, we are a mess here. My Instagram tag is at revivalbuilt. That's it. There is yeah. no .com. <laughs> if you want to find us online, our brand new podcast page, theafter5podcast.com or the app, just after5podcast.com. We made sure to protect ourselves from the competition that is out there. We elevated ourselves and got all the URLs related to that. And the if app. you want to find myself, JT, on Instagram, it's at Audax Homes, A U D A X. And if you want to find Dave, you're going to have to come to the podcast because he does not have an Instagram, folks. I'm going to be putting out my new one, the next podcast. So that way you definitely want to come out and check all right, it out. Big announcement. Yo, <laughs> we'll have an Instagram. Stay tuned. Stay we want to keep it people. exciting. Thanks for listening. This is the After Five Podcast.